0: Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we dive into the thought provoking realm of human nature with The Blank Slate by Steven Pinker. Challenging the long held belief that humans are born as blank slates shaped solely by their environment, Pinker presents a compelling argument for the significant role of genetics and evolution in our development. As we explore the intricacies of Pinker's work, we discover how our behaviors, personalities, and very essence are influenced not just by upbringing, but also by the biological threads woven into our being. Pinker, a distinguished cognitive psychologist and Harvard professor, is acclaimed for his expertise on language, the mind, and human nature. His articulate discourse on these topics has earned him a place among Time magazines, the 100 most influential people in the world, alongside numerous prestigious awards. The Blank Slate is essential reading for psychology, biology, and philosophy enthusiasts. It is equally vital for educators and parents striving to understand the complex interplay between nature and nurture. For anyone yearning to unravel the mysteries of human behavior, this book offers profound insights that will challenge and enrich your understanding of what shapes us as individuals. Join us as we unpack the nuances of this revolutionary work in a concise summary tailored for those with the unwavering curiosity to grasp the deeper elements of human existence. The Blank Slate, The Modern Denial of Human Nature Introduction, Unraveling the Threads of Human Nature our genetic tapestry. Imagine opening a book engraved with the secrets of human nature and finding that its pages aren't blank. Every line and swirl of ink is a story of genetic roots intertwining with the tales we live. That's precisely what you'll discover as we dive into the age-old debate of nature versus nurture, a dispute that continues to stir the pot of scientific inquiry and philosophical thought. When we observe ourselves and the world around us, we often wonder, what makes us who we are? Is it the environment we're nurtured in, or is there more to the equation? Let's embark on an investigative journey that may flip the script on some of the most deeply held beliefs about human nature and our societal constructs. The idea that humans are born as a blank slate is as compelling as it is comforting. It suggests that we each start life as an untouched canvas our traits and tendencies ready to be shaped by experience alone. However, fascinating research points to a different protagonist in our personal narratives, genetics. The blank slate theory has offered a simple explanation, implying that inequalities, predispositions, and even moral leanings can be attributed entirely to cultural and social conditioning. But when we look closely, we encounter a complex genetic influence that paints a more intricate picture of our minds and behaviors. Our genetic predispositions aren't merely biological footnotes. They're significant characters in the story of our lives. They don't just influence our eye color or height, they whisper in the background of our opinions, our vulnerabilities to addiction, and even our political inclinations. The tapestry of our being is a blend of the genetic yarn passed down through generations and the environmental threads that shape our experiences. This isn't to say our fate is sealed from the moment we're conceived. Our society and culture play undeniable roles, creating a dynamic interplay. However, the genetic influence cannot be dismissed if we hope to understand the breadth and depth of human nature. Picture two individuals born of the same genetic code, yet living utterly distinct lives, identical twins. Their unique stories provide extraordinary insights into the weight of genetic contribution. Their similarities, even when raised apart, reinforce that our genetic blueprint holds compelling clues about who we are at our core. But we needn't see our genetic makeup as a tight script dictating our actions. Instead, consider it a set of potential storylines with a myriad of possible outcomes shaped by chance, choice, and circumstance. Twin studies reveal the nuances of our inherited tendencies without entirely ruling out the influential touch of our environment. Realizing the influence of our genetics can be paradoxically liberating. Our imperfections, rather than being seen as personal failures, can be recognized as part of the complex harmony of human diversity. We each have our quirks and struggles, and while they may stem from our genetic melodies, they do not alone define us. Understanding our genetic foundations helps us to understand ourselves and others better. It doesn't necessitate resignation to fate, but rather supports a compassionate awareness that everyone's tune is a fusion of inherited notes and the individual rhythm of life. So let's set aside the notion of a pure blank slate, observing instead the rich, intricate map of our genetic narratives. It's a story of resilience, diversity, adaption, and most importantly, humanity's untiring quest to understand the essence of what it means to be human. Part 1 Peeling Back the Layers Questioning Historical Views on the Human Psyche When we peer into the vault of history, we find a trove of theories seeking to unravel the fabric of human nature. Each era has put forth its champions, philosophers and thinkers who have grappled with the essence of the human mind and spirit. Yet three theories in particular have risen to prominence, each painting a different portrait of our inherent being. The first is the blank slate theory, a canvas void of inherent traits. Renowned philosopher John Locke of the 17th century espoused this view, proposing that our minds are born unmarked, only to be etched with the experiences and influences of the world as we journey through life. It's a comforting notion, suggesting that we are malleable to the core, and that every pattern or prejudice we exhibit is learned rather than inborn. Then there's the noble savage theory, a romantic reflection of our intrinsic selves, believed to be the brainchild of Jean Jacques Rousseau. It posits, with a hopeful view of mankind, that we emerge into this world as selfless, virtuous beings. Yet the sophistication of civilization, with its temptations and complexities, is painted as the corrupter of this natural goodness, tainting our pristine state with the brushes of greed and aggression. Thirdly, the concept of the ghost in the machine, a term coined by Rene Descartes, frames our existence as a duality. In this view, our body and mind are two distinct entities, the latter being a complex and ethereal vessel far removed from the mechanical workings of our physical form. These three strands of understanding, also known by their philosophical labels, empiricism, romanticism, and dualism, have threaded through the fabric of our collective beliefs for centuries. However, the relentless march of science and discovery Beckons us toward a more nuanced theory that endeavors to reconcile our mental landscapes with the intricate workings of the world around us. As we venture beyond these historic contemplations, prepare to delve into a contemporary narrative that attempts to bridge the gap between ancient wisdom and modern insights. It is here, in the intertwining of genes and environment, that we may find a clearer vision of what truly animates the human mind. Part 2 exploring the roots of culture, a dance between evolution and environment. For much of recent history, the minds of social scientists have been captivated by the eloquent simplicity of the blank slate theory. It hinted that the unsavory aspects of human behavior, such as racism or sexism, had no grounding in our biological makeup. These behaviors were seen as learned, products of societal influence and nothing more. The blank slate separated culture from our biology, neatly excising it from the realms of genetics and evolution. However, as the veil of the 20th century has lifted, we've come to embrace a far more integrated perspective. Culture, it turns out, is deeply woven into the fabric of our evolutionary narrative. This narrative is shared by every creature on our planet, dictating their survival, their ability to thrive, and the passing of their genetic heritage down through the generations. True, some cultural behaviours may seem random, like whether a society drives on the left or the right side of the road, but the underlying rationale? It's about harmony and coordination, about a collective dance that ensures the safety and success of the group. Culture, in its essence, can be seen as a tapestry of tried and true practices shaping our collective existence. When we peer at the initial learnings of an infant, the blank slate theory begins to wane. Take language acquisition, a cultural cornerstone that transcends mere mimicry. If the tableau of a child's mind were truly void of predispositions, they would function merely as recorders of visual and auditory stimuli. Yet, children exhibit a remarkable propensity for deciphering the meanings and structures of language, creatively constructing and deconstructing sentences they've never encountered before. Consider the stark contrast between a parrot's verbatim repetition and the linguistic journey of a young mind. It beautifully illustrates that humans are born with the innate capacity to grasp the subtle tapestry of language, a genetic leaning towards understanding and communication. With the stage set to accept the genetic underpinnings of cultural behavior, it's crucial to recognise that the story doesn't end there. The environment plays a co-starring role, influencing and shaping these behaviours. So while the foundation of culture is etched in our genes, the flourish and form it takes are equally composed by the world we inhabit and the experiences that colour our lives. Part 3. The Merging of Mind and Matter Scientific Revelations The march of science has been marked by monumental discoveries that have progressively knocked down the walls dividing realms once thought to be separate. Imagine a world where every breakthrough is a sledgehammer, tearing down the barriers that compartmentalize knowledge into isolated silos. The journey began with Isaac Newton in the 17th century, whose law of gravity harmoniously unified the movements of celestial bodies with earthly physics. Fast forward to the 19th century and another wall crumbled relegating the divide between life and death to history scientists uncovered that life's essence wasn't some mystical ethereal spark but rather emerged from ordinary chemical compounds aligning in just the right constellation now we stand before the final bastion the seemingly impenetrable wall between the physical world and the experiential realm of the mind yet Even this formidable structure is showing cracks, shaking the very foundations of the blank slate theory. Modern science has been industriously constructing bridges over the once impassable chasm between matter and consciousness. One such architectural marvel is cognitive science, the systematic study of the mind and its processes. Born in the 1950s, it brought about an epiphany. The mind could never have been the tabula rasa, the blank slate that we once envisioned. To consider the mind as inert at birth would defy all logic, for even the youngest of minds show a predisposition to decipher the world around them. Just like language, information can be introduced endlessly, but without an innate framework to process and utilize it, it remains mere noise. Behavioral genetics stands as another bridge, one which dares to trace the tendrils of our actions back to the seeds of our genes. Here, researchers have discerned that our slate is anything but blank. It comes etched with genetic scripts that sketch out the contours of our intelligence, our shyness, our happiness. Consider the case of twins, identical in genetics, yet often nurtured apart. Despite their differing environments, they mirror each other's gestures, exhibit similar academic propensities, and might even share quirks as specific as brand preferences, all suggesting that traits and tendencies are often genetically coded rather than purely learned. These findings aren't just a footnote. They fiercely challenge the the ghost-in-the-machine theory, implying that intangible preferences and behaviors likely have a genetic origin. Even more strikingly, they put the noble savage theory to the test, if such propensities towards antisocial behaviors as violence or theft do indeed have inherited elements. They can't be simply ascribed to society's corrupting influence. As these bridges extend further and the walls between the physical and the mental erode, a picture emerges of humans as beings with inborn traits, shaped but not wholly defined by their environments. It's a revelation that rewrites the story of the human experience, One gene at a time. Part 4 Challenging the Blank Slate A Look at Flawed Defenses. The tenacity of the blank slate theory, despite the torrent of genetic revelations, is a testament to the power of cherished beliefs. Proponents of this theory have dug their heels in, reluctant to relinquish the notion that we are born as empty vessels. In a twist that seemed to fortify their stance, The completion of the Human Genome Project in 2001 unveiled a gene count that fell short of expectations. Geneticists, prepared to document up to 100,000 genes, were met with a comparatively modest 34,000, a figure only marginally greater than that of a simple roundworm. Blank slate advocates seized on these numbers, claiming them as evidence of potential simplicity in human complexity and, by extension, the mind. However, the raw gene count is deceptive. As we unravel the intricate tapestry of genetic interplay, the myriad ways in which these genes combine and interact, the extraordinary complexity of human beings comes into focus. In the face of such evidence, the staunch defenders of the blank slate theory have rallied around alternative explanations for the development of our sophisticated minds. One such counter-argument is connectionism, drawing parallels between the brain's neural networks and pattern recognition capabilities of computer models. The idea posits that our brains, much like computers, can learn and forge new connections based on patterns they encounter. Yet the analogy crumbles when we consider the cognitive feats that computers, even with their most advanced artificial intelligence, cannot emulate. Humans effortlessly grasp the essence of categories understanding that a live duck floating on water and a cartoon duck share an intrinsic duckness, a subtlety that sophisticated AI systems consistently fail to capture. Another defense put forth is that of neuroplasticity, the brain's remarkable ability to rewire itself throughout a person's life. Indeed, a violinist's brain may exhibit distinct neurological development in the areas controlling the left hand. However, It is crucial to note that cultivating a skill like playing an instrument doesn't equate to an ability to reshape our core behaviors and predispositions, those that are intertwined with our genetic code. For example, sexual orientation has shown no evidence of being malleable through learning or practice. Individuals cannot simply learn to reorient their sexuality. Such attempts to buffer the blank slate theory against the onslaught of genetic insight fail to account for the innate limitations and predispositions etched into our DNA. As we continue to dismantle unsound defenses, it becomes increasingly apparent that our beginnings are far from blank, and our genetic narratives have profound implications on all facets of our being. Part 5 Behind the Blank Slate The Influence of Politics and Religion The Blank Slate Theory often draws a lure from its egalitarian promise, suggesting an equal genesis for all human beings. Yet, as scientific inquiry peels back layers to reveal biological variances present from birth, this theory has been met with staunch political and ideological resistance. During the 1970s, an era that witnessed intense societal upheaval, the blank slate faced challenges from proponents of more complex human nature models. A radical science movement, adorned in the cloak of leftist ideology, rose to defend the purity of the blank slate. They utilized Marxist rhetoric, accusing those countering the theory of perpetuating an agenda to uphold discriminatory socio political systems. In their eyes, any suggestion that genetics could influence the brain's architecture was a nod towards dangerous ideas of determinism and reductionism. However, The notion that our genetic makeup is the sole sculptor of our minds and bodies, foreseeing every human characteristic, is a straw man. Few, if any, reputable scientists subscribe to such a deterministic view. The noble savage theory, too, found champions among radical thinkers of the era, particularly those who were repelled by the idea that humans might be hardwired for aggression. When E.O. Wilson, in his seminal work Sociobiology, pointed to tribal conflict as a persistent motif in human history, his findings were met with fierce opposition. The hint that such violence could be woven into our nature was equated by some with endorsing it, whereas in reality it was merely an observation in the study of human behavior. On the other side of the ideological spectrum, conservative factions, particularly those aligned with religious fundamentalism, embraced the notion of the ghost in the machine. The theory proposes that the mind exists independently of the body, echoing the religious concept of an immortal soul, a sentiment particularly appealing to Christian doctrine, skepticism towards evolution, from the political right dovetailed with religious convictions, contravening the idea of a mind shaped by evolutionary forces. Those who perceive thought and sentiment as byproducts of a divine essence would instinctively rebuff any explanation rooted in the brain's physical and chemical properties. The interplay of political and religious convictions with interpretations of human nature reveals that the debate over the blank slate goes far beyond pure scientific discourse. It is deeply entwined with the values and beliefs that shape our understanding of equality, morality, and the essence of what it means to be human. Part 6. Navigating the complex waters of innate diversity and moral responsibility. Grasping the reality that our minds aren't blank slates can be a daunting voyage, requiring us to confront the nuanced fabric of human diversity. The era of the 1970s was cast in the long shadows of slavery and the Holocaust, scars of history that had violently exploited perceived inequalities. Against this backdrop, The allure of the blank slate theory as an emblem of inherent equality was potent. Abandoning the blank slate means confronting innate differences, sparking fears that genetics might be weaponized to rationalize injustices or validate social Darwinist ideologies. There's a palpable worry that disparities in crime statistics or income could be misconstrued to argue for social hierarchies, to deem some people superior or inferior to others. Let's dispel this with clarity. Genetic variations, albeit existent among sexual, racial and ethnic groups, don't entail a resignation to social Darwinism. Genetics paint just one part of the vast mural of a person's fate. It's the essence of a just society to recognize this and ensure that social equity isn't fated by genetic luck but rather supported by compassionate programs that bridge these inequalities. Equally fraught is the notion of imperfectibility that surfaces with the rejection of the blank slate. If humanity is hardwired for certain unsavory behaviors, is striving against them futile? Take, for example, the grave concern within feminism regarding male sexual aggression. The assertion that such impulses could be natural, of course, doesn't negate the natural and fundamental right of individuals to control their bodies without coercion. Our societal ethics enshrine the principle that no one's impulses outweigh another's autonomy. The argument isn't that, because a tendency might be natural, it should be inexorably accepted. Rather, recognizing the potential for dark strands within our genetic makeup imposes a deeper moral responsibility to foster an environment where respect for dignity and personal freedom prevails. As we navigate away from the simplicity of the blank slate, we're pushed to wrestle with the complexities of our nature. Inherent differences aren't a mandate for inequality, nor are inclinations towards imperfection an excuse for moral abdication. It's within this intricate landscape that our shared humanity, our ability to cultivate understanding, empathy and equality truly takes root part 7 genetics determinism and the search for meaning the allure of the blank slate theory lay in its promise of control the idea that the right environment could mold individuals into paragons of virtue yet the recognition of genetics as a major player in our development opens us to a disquieting query to what extent are we masters of our fate Facing the role of genetics, we confront the spectre of determinism, the notion that our actions are preordained by the threads of DNA we inherit. Does the genetic hand where dealt predetermine our path in life? Does it excuse actions and erode personal responsibility? Imagine a world where someone prone to aggression cannot help but give in to their nature. Can we hold them accountable? Are they puppets, dancing on the strings of their genetic code, or is there room for choice and change? As the blank slate theory drifted into obsolescence, it sparked a debate among the sciences, uh, not about the predictability of behavior, but about the complexities of probability. The concern, however, was that in explaining behavior, we might be inadvertently excusing it. But to explain is not to forgive. This vital distinction often got lost within the discussions. An enhanced comprehension of human nature needs not unravel our moral fabric or render our legal systems powerless. On the contrary, these structures exist precisely to guide and correct, to steer those natural inclinations toward a path consistent with societal values and individual rights. With the onset of these conversations came the fear of nihilism. If we are mere vessels for our genes, devices with a biological mission to reproduce, Where does that leave the human aspiration for meaning? Yet, biology doesn't have to be the ceiling of our existence. Our genes may lay foundations and outline basic life purposes, but they are not the architects of our aspirations. It's our uniquely human trait to seek beyond survival, to explore realms of happiness, purpose, and existential significance that transcend mere genetic programming. Our genetic compositions may inform where we begin, but they don't dictate where we can go or the values we can seek. Biology provides the starting point, not the horizon. And within this space, there is vast room to craft a life infused with aspirations that soar beyond biology's basic mandates. Part eight, understanding categorization in the brain, its role and its risks. The staggering complexity of the human brain with its vast network of neurons and connections, serves a fundamental purpose, to make sense of the world and ensure survival. It's not only a processing powerhouse, but also a reality constructor, shaping our perceptions and experiences. Among the brain's most critical functions is its ability to categorize. This knack for sorting and organizing is a cornerstone of our cognitive abilities. However, there are varying perspectives on how we construct our understanding of reality, particularly when it comes to categories that have profound social implications. There's a school of thought that posits much of what we perceive as reality, including societal stereotypes, is a social construct. This leads to the argument that racism persists because racial stereotypes are continually reinforced and recategorized as reality within our minds. Some suggest that if we collectively deny the existence of racism, the social constructs upholding it will crumble. While certain aspects of life, like the concepts of money, tenure, or citizenship, are indeed social constructs reliant on collective agreement, the mechanics of stereotyping, driving forces like racism and sexism, are seated deep within brain functionality. Our brain is hardwired for quick categorization be it discerning intentions as benign or malicious, or simplifying complex groups into singular characteristics. It is attracted to cognitive shortcuts, leading to sweeping generalizations, like the notion that arts students are uniformly more liberal than those in business studies. This mental pigeonholing paves the way for stereotypes that extend beyond harmless generalities into the realms of racism and sexism. Statistics may sometimes support certain stereotypes, reinforcing them in public consciousness. However, the origin of many stereotypes lies not in social conventions but in the brain's instinctive drive to classify, a process that transcends mere societal constructs. The brain's penchant for categorization, however, falters when confronted with the abstract realms of modern science. Concepts in advanced physics, complex mathematics or genetics are comparatively novel additions to human experience and have not been around long enough to gel with our innate cognitive frameworks. Education emerges as the bridge to understanding these newer, more abstract landscapes. Far from being coded into our DNA, the grasp of modern scientific principles relies on learning and teaching, filling the gaps left by our evolutionary heritage. Thus, we tailor knowledge and tools to enrich our perception of the world seeking to transcend our brain's default categorizations and unlock a deeper understanding of the complexities that surround us. Part 9. The Delicate Dance of Altruism and the Quirkiness of Moral Instincts Human nature has long been a canvas for broad strokes of characterization. Think of classical economists who painted humans as self-interested rogues, or utopian socialists who envisioned us as devoted to the collective. Yet neither depiction captures the intricate choreography of our social impulses. The ballet of human cooperation is not an act of random chance, but a choreographed routine fine tuned by evolution. Those who thrived within the communal embrace of a tribe were more likely to survive and pass on their genes, thus weaving the threads of compassion and empathy into our being. However, This altruistic spirit is not without bounds and does not inherently champion communalism. Our biological charge, the transmission of our genetic legacy, inherently biases us towards those who share our genetic material. Thus, the hand of kinship weighs heavily on the scale of our willingness to lend support. The Israeli kibbutzim, envisioned as socialist utopias, stand as testimony to the tug-of-war between communal ideals and genetic instincts. Over time, even the most staunchly shared spaces saw a reclamation of individual bonds, as parents naturally gravitated towards having their offspring close by, despite the collective ethos. Yet, as we recognize the evolutionary roots of our social inclinations, we must also pause to reflect on the peculiar nature of our moral compass. Picture a family's response to the tragic loss of a pet. In their grief, they decide to honor cultural practices where consuming dog meat is not a taboo, but a delicacy. The immediate revulsion one might feel is challenging to justify logically. No harm is done, consent is given, but our moral sentiments rail against it. This emotional response illustrates that our moral judgments often do not spring from a place of rational analysis but are intricate dances of evolved moral emotions. We are not cold calculators of harm and consent, but creatures guided by deeply ingrained sensibilities, sometimes leading to judgments that defy straightforward rational justification. It's in these intricacies and idiosyncrasies that our true nature is revealed. A blend of genetic tendencies, evolved social behaviors, And complex moral instincts that all play a part in the grand performance of human life. Part 10 Genes on the Ballot and in the Battlefield The Genetic Undercurrents of Politics and Violence. Our journey into the science of human nature has navigated the treacherous paths of religion, identity, and now we find it branching out to both the voting booth and the battlefield. Intriguingly, The seeds of our political allegiances and even our propensity for violence may have origins entwined within our genetic strands. Consider the mysterious case of identical twins, reared oceans apart, who end up not only sharing a favorite brand of cigarettes, but casting similar ballots in the voting booth. Political persuasions, it turns out, are not entirely creations of rational thought or family influence. On a spectrum, where minus one represents polar opposition, and plus one is the mirror image, the political views of identical twins average out remarkably at 0.62. While political ideologies are not directly etched into our genomes, it's apparent that birds of a feather genetically flock together in the realms of political parties. Over time, personality traits such as conscientiousness, authoritarianism, and adherence to rule following have become somewhat predictive of one's political encampment distinguishing liberals from conservatives. This brings us to a more sobering aspect of our nature, the inclination toward violence. Long-standing narratives have painted such tendencies as products of adverse societal factors, discrimination, poverty, and disease. And while the environment undoubtedly plays a role, there's growing evidence that genetics may also shoulder some of the blame. Though we might wish to view war as an anomaly, Records stretching into prehistoric times tell us that human history is marred with the stains of conflict, and the fluctuations in crime rates over recent decades present a puzzle that stands impervious to simple explanations. The aggression often expressed in the sandbox skirmishes of toddlers, uncorrupted by knowledge of weaponry or martial arts, provides a compelling hint that the roots of violence may indeed dig deep into our genetic code. The innocence of youth, coupled with an instinctive pull towards aggression, lends weight to the theory that violence is not solely shaped by the narrative arcs of culture and education but may be etched into our biological essence. Navigating this genetic landscape requires a delicate balance, recognizing the roles of both nature and nurture, as we seek to understand our political leanings and confront the darker facets of our collective persona. Part 11. Embracing Differences the coexistence of female and male minds with feminism. The shifting landscape of gender roles has seen a seismic transformation from an era when women were confined to the realms of housework and child rearing. Today, despite progress and changing attitudes in countries like the United States, women continue to grapple with forms of discrimination, undermining, and unwanted advances. The women's liberation movement and ensuing waves of feminism mark monumental strides in societal evolution. Yet, within the feminist movement, the strand known as gender feminism holds a contentious view, insisting that men and women are fundamentally identical save for their reproductive organs. Contrary to this perspective, scientific research reveals a mosaic of structural differences between male and female brains. Like two equally intricate and complex architectural feats, each with its distinct design, the male and female brains manifest divergent characteristics and capacities. Studies relay that men, in a general sense, exhibit a propensity to take greater risks and have an enhanced ability to visuospatially manipulate objects. Meanwhile, women typically shine in areas like spelling, pattern recognition, and deciphering nonverbal cues. These cognitive distinctions, however, are not emblems of superiority but rather reflections of complementary strengths. Intelligence, the cornerstone of cognitive aptitude, does not favor one sex over the other. Men and women share equal general intelligence levels, modes of thought, and emotional landscapes. From a genetic standpoint, being male or female represents two different yet equally viable evolutionary strategies, finely honed by natural selection to yield bodies and minds with comparable complexities and capabilities. Acknowledging cognitive differences between the sexes does not conflict with feminist principles. Understanding biological diversity isn't in itself discriminatory, it's the interpretation and application of this knowledge where the potential for bias enters. Recognizing cognitive differences can pave the way to a more nuanced discourse about issues like the gender pay gap. It's not just discrimination at play, societal values around certain skill sets. Traditionally seen as masculine or feminine, can influence career trajectories and remuneration. Thus, a true feminist stance could appreciate the unique minds of men and women while advocating for equal opportunities, equitable compensation, and a society that values the full spectrum of human capabilities. It's a vision of equality that celebrates diversity and leverages our varied strengths to forge a more inclusive world. Part 12 Decoding Human Nature, The Three Pillars of Behavioral Genetics. At the dawn of the new millennium, psychologist Eric Turkheimer brought forth a trio of laws framing the complex interplay between genetics and environment in shaping who we are. These laws, grounded in extensive empirical research, provide an interesting counterpoint to the notion of the blank slate. Under the first law of behavioral genetics, we understand that the tapestry of human behavior is influenced by our genetic heritage. This law boldly states, all human behavioral traits are heritable. This encompasses a broad array of characteristics from the way we navigate language to the intensity of our spiritual convictions to our political leanings. While there may be debate over the scope of behavioral traits, the law asserts that there is a genetic thread woven into each. Yet, it's critical to distinguish between traits that can be inherited and aspects of our lives that are culturally transmitted, such as native language or religious affiliation, which clearly do not follow genetic lineage. The second law builds on observations of familial influence. The effect of being raised in the same family is smaller than the effect of the genes. This insight emerges from the fascinating studies of twins, both separated and virtual, such as adoptive siblings with no genetic tie. These studies illuminate that the personality of an adopted child will likely resonate more closely with their genetic origins than with the adopted family's influence, underscoring that shared roots under one roof do not equate to shared personalities. The third law reminds us that human behavior cannot be explained solely by genes and family environment. It posits a substantial part of the variation in complex human behavioral traits is not accounted for by the effects of genes or families. This third mysterious influence emanates from one's unique environment, the specific conditions, communities, and companionships that shape individual experiences. Current estimates suggest a fascinating distribution of influence, genes contributing to 40-50% of our behavior, shared family environment accounting for a mere 0-10%, and the unique environment owning the other 50%. In this light, our lives appear as intricate puzzles, Assembled from pieces of genetic codes, familial dynamics, and the singular mosaic of personal experiences. Each element contributes a vital part to the whole, painting the portrait of human complexity through the lens of behavioral genetics. Part 13 The Innate Palette Art, Beauty, and Their Genetic Roots. In the bustling corridors of American education, the steady drumbeat of science and technology. Has echoed, often muting the harmonies of art and music. Advocates for the arts, witnessing these cultural shifts, have rallied around their survival, fearing their eventual fade into silence. However, they may find comfort in the resilience of art, an endeavor not so easily quelled, partly because it emanates from our very DNA. Since time immemorial, art has been the voice of human nature, blossoming across every culture from the rhythm of a drum to the stroke of a brush, from the arc of a sculpture to the narrative of a play, art is an unmistakable expression of our species. It's no great leap, then, to consider art as an extension of our genetic legacy. The allure of creativity and the dance of mating is unmistakable. A brush dipped in ingenuity not only paints a picture, but also signals the vitality of one's intellect and the richness of one's genetic tapestry. This evolutionary courtship may well underpin our persistent drive to engage in artistic endeavors. Yet, not all artistic expressions are met with equal enthusiasm, a reality that could feed into perceptions of the art's demise. It's been observed that the human psyche gravitates toward classic beauty, the serene landscape, the allegory in motion, the idyllic scene. These images resonate with our archetypal sense of pleasure. Contrast this with the shifting tides of modern and postmodern art, eclectic, abstract, probing the limits of form and content. The soothing reflections of Monet give way to Pollock's vigorous drips and splats. The consonants of Beethoven yields to the challenging progressions of Schoenberg. It's this drift from the traditional to the avant-garde, from familiar beauty to challenging abstraction, that some interpret as a decline in art itself. But our evolutionary programming for beauty, akin to all our senses, remains keyed to certain harmonies and aesthetics. When people lament the scarcity of art, what might be expressed is a yearning for the return of its more conventional manifestations. Art, in its essence, thrives within our very being, its connection to beauty inseverable from the narrative of human nature. As our sensibilities evolve, so too will our definitions of beauty but the intrinsic relationship between the two persists as a testament to our genetic heritage. Art and beauty may dance in new patterns, but they will always be a part of the human spirit's choreography. Final summary. This work peels away the layers of misconception that have long shrouded our understanding of the human psyche. Far from the tabula rasa, the empty vessel waiting to be filled by experience, Our minds are intricate networks brimming with predispositions and capabilities from the outset. The human mind is an entity inextricably intertwined with our biology, not a spectral presence operating separate from our physical selves. The notion of the noble savage, the idea that we are inherently pure beings sullied only by societal influence, is equally flawed. Rather, our minds are masterpieces of evolution, carved by the dual chisels of genetic endowment and environmental interaction they are equipped with sophisticated structures that interpret categorize and respond to the world around us fueling our instincts and sculpting our proclivities this nuanced view recognizes that the mind is neither a blank canvas awaiting paint nor a marble slab awaiting the sculptor's touch it is a living dynamic entity inherently capable and diverse designed by nature to navigate the complexities of existence and to propel our species' ongoing saga of survival and success. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast